0: Sports Radio Network News Update
1: In baseball, Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun reports that the MLBPA is keeping a close eye on the potential service time manipulation of third-base prospect Vladimir Guerrero Bryce Harper does, in fact, have a new home. MLB Network's John Heyman was one of the first to report that Bryce Harper would sign with the Phillies. ESPN's Jeff Besson was early with the financials. 13 years, $330 million, no opt-outs, a new North American sports record for overall dollars committed to one player. Clinton Kershaw did make 25 throws from a distance of 60 feet on Thursday morning at Dodgers camp. We await word on how he feels on Friday. Mark Feinstein of MLB.com reports that the Blue Jays are signing Clay Buchholz. In the NFL, ESPN's Vaughn McClure reports, quote, word around the combine is the Falcons have no intention of re-signing free agent Kevin Coleman. Baltimore Ravens running back Alex Collins was arrested Friday morning after a car crash about a mile away from his team facility. I'm Dan Traver, and This has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network news update.
0: Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. It's college basketball season, and the Mammoth Park Sportsbook by William Hill is your best bet to watch and wager on all the games leading up to the big tournament. Watch every minute of action on our 75-foot HD video wall. Wager on props, parlays, over-unders, and much more. Go to MammothPark.com for news updates and handicapping. Excludes New Jersey college teams and college events taking place in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Visit today.
1: Scout Fantasy Sports. Would you take Harper or Machado? Harper. Would you take Harper or Goldschmidt? I think I would lean Harper. I take Harper over Sal. Me too. I take Harper over Altuve. Yeah,
3: I've never been a huge Altuve fan.
1: Right, so I think Harper is probably in that 11 to 15 range.
3: Yeah, but you have to know that there's definitely some risk
0: with him. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the
1: insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ramos, maybe this is the first day we're not talking about Bryce Harper anymore. Or did I just talk about him?
3: You just did, so... I won the prop bet on what we would open with. It was Bryce Harper. So head to the window and cash those tickets. Ding, 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 ding.
1: Plus 200 on that one? <laughs> what was the number on that one? Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So, all right, who's left? Craig Kimbrell's left and Dallas Keuchel. I know there's uh, Carlos Gomez is off the table. The Mets uh, secured his uh, services. Adam Jones is surprisingly out there.
3: Yeah, Jones is just, he's nothing special anymore. Uh, He's trended downward in the fantasy game, so I think teams realize that. So I'm really not surprised, although uh, I'll repeat it again. I just think that the Indians are a team that just needs a lot of help in the outfield. Uh, It certainly would make sense
1: there. Yeah, right. I mean, isn't he better than Tyler Nockin?
3: Yeah, uh, I think he's better for sure. And uh, I'm not sure why they haven't gotten him in at a reduced price. Obviously, there hasn't been a high demand for him.
1: So am I missing any major players? I mentioned Kimbrel, I mentioned Keuchel. Is there anybody else of major significance to you that you really are waiting on?
3: Uh, Those are the two big ones that stand out, I I think. think. Um, Yeah, those are the two biggest ones left.
1: I was listening to Thad Levine yesterday. And, you know, the Twins bullpen, I I think Kimbrell would be a great fit. But he basically intimated that they, were, that they were happy with who they had. They had a bunch of guys. And I think I feel like baseball general managers now are almost like football coaches, where they have the running back by committee. Hey, we've got a bunch of guys who can get carries. Maybe we don't have a superstar, but everybody here can pitch in. So if Taylor Rogers gets five saves and Trevor May gets 10, and Hildenberger gets five and Addison Reed gets two, we can piece it together.
3: Yeah, and I think that it sucks for the fantasy game. But in real life, it makes sense what a lot of teams are doing, just playing the matchups and maybe bringing in a righty, bringing in a lefty. So I understand it from that perspective. It can work well. Fantasy, though, it's a headache because we feel like we about have half the teams where we really don't know who the closer is going to be. And a lot of teams are going to employ more than one guy to – get the ninth inning saves and uh you know, I tweeted out a stat yesterday, basically where or two days ago that you're just seeing less pitchers get thirty saves uh each year. It's trending downward and it's just difficult in the fantasy game, uh, to find those saves late. We're all gonna speculate and that's the problem. And especially if you're like in a fifteen team league, we're all going to be going to the waiver wire to get those saves and the key is when you do open that budget and spend, you got to make sure that you come away with the guy who is going to close. So, you know, in each of the last two seasons, you know, 11 players reached 30 saves. In 2016, it was 16 guys. And in 2015, it was 21. So you can see 10 fewer guys getting 30 saves uh, compared to 2015 and 2017 and 2018. So much more difficult to find that guy that's going to pile up the saves.
1: Well, I mean, that's absolutely true. And I always give credit to our friends, uh, Andrea Lamont and Lenny Milnick, who talk about the effector. And it seems like a lot of closers, a lot of relievers, especially like Raisel Iglesias, maybe even Michael Givens, you know, uh, maybe other names too, are going to be using that effector role when maybe it's the late seventh inning, maybe it's the eighth inning, maybe it's the ninth inning. They're going to use them when they feel when the teams feel necessary. And nobody wants to be beholden to one guy who's going to necessarily nail down forty saves. And I think that makes the position much harder than it's ever been in the past. And maybe if I can get, you know, how you how you piece together speed, where I get a bunch of guys. With ten to fifteen stolen bases, maybe in a bullpen. If I get three guys who get fifteen saves, I'm good with that, Adam.
3: Problem with that is you don't know when the saves are coming, and if you're going to go six starters, three relievers every week, uh, it's it's tough to t- tough to do, and especially if you don't know in a given week whether that guy's going to get the save. So it's easy to say, well, at the end of the year, this, this, and that. When are those saves coming? You know, do you plug him in? What happens if he gets three saves and you bench them? Then you put him in the next week and he gets one. So that's the difficult part. You're looking at the sum of the parts at the end of the year. Are you going to be able to figure out the weeks when to get those guys in?
1: No, and that's always tough. By the way, so I don't. I, I figured I would run this by you. Uh, Tout Wars, I'm in the head-to-head points league, and they changed the pitching points again. Every every they, They've done it like uh, 17 times, right? We've only played two years with this, but they always are making changes. Now a win is four points instead of five. A quality start is three points. Saves are five. Strikeouts are one. Every out is point is a, is point three three. A loss is minus five. A blown save is minus two. A hit is minus one. A walk is minus one. An earned run is minus one. Does that devalue pitchers even more?
3: No, because they throw innings, they get strikeouts. So yeah, there could be some negatives, but there's also positives. So. I have to really sit there and break it down.
1: But 4 uh, points for a win and what point 3.3 for an out. I think it was 1 point per out last year.
3: Well, what you have to do is go to the site and look at the numbers from last year based on this scoring system.
1: And look but at we didn't have, Oh, but I mean our scoring system was different That's so I'm saying it was different last but,
3: year. Well, when you're, it doesn't matter though. If you're on the site and it has the scoring system from this year, it will translate to the numbers last year.
1: Okay, all right. So that would that make you want not pay as much for a starter, or do you think the best starters are still expensive with the with new point systems like that?
3: Again, I can't. Uh, it's you can't just give Sebastian. me this, and I'm able to calculate it in my head immediately. That's you're Adam, you Adam Ronis. You can do at.
1: that. I, tr- you know, things like that immediately. That's right. You're Adam Ronis. No, I don't know that immediately. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Yeah, because Peter had sent out a thing that they wanted to make a bad start hurt more. Which, I I mean, I get that. But what do you find? Because there was a a message in the forums about points leagues. Give people out there maybe one or two things to look for in a points league that they wouldn't look for in a traditional 5 by 5 roto league.
3: It really depends on the scoring system because they vary so much. Some... Give you negative one for a strikeout. Others don't. But basically, you're looking for on base guys and you have to pay more attention to doubles and triples. I remember years ago, like to me, Dustin Pejorie was so undervalued in that format. I would get him every year in the second round because he's a guy that made a lot of contact, a lot of doubles, run scored, steals. So you want to look for the guys that get on base. Obviously, if strikeouts are negative, then you have to look at the strikeout to walk differential. You know, so a guy like Alex Bregman is a huge boost in that because he had more walks than strikeouts last year. Also, a guy with some pop doubles. So you really need to hone in on the scoring system. And uh, But generally in points leagues, the guys who get on base, uh, doubles get undervalued in the standard roto game. We don't look at it enough, but a guy with 40, 45 doubles, that makes good contact. You know, he's in a good spot. And obviously, power still plays in the points leagues a lot. Uh, if you're not penalized for strikeouts in a points league, a guy like Joey Gallo is excellent because he, he's going to hit for power, and you don't get the negative of the batting average or the strikeouts.
1: But what? But I was just going to ask you about Joey Gallo. What if you get minus one for a strikeout? Does his positives do his positives outweigh his negatives?
3: In that format, no, because the the strikeouts are, are going to take away. So those type of guys that strike out a ton and don't walk out enough. Uh, they hurt because basically what you're doing is you're looking at the strikeout to walk difference. And if it's like the strikeouts are 60 higher, you know, you're getting that's negative 60 points right there, just from the strikeout to walk differential. So,
1: so you need 50, you need 15 home runs to break even, uh, right. No, if a home runs home, worth home four,
3: s- you might shoot the home run six. It's four oh, for the is- home run, one for the one and one for the RBI.
1: So it's oh, technically cr- okay. six. Right. So you're 10 home runs from breaking even.
3: Right. I mean, again, and he's probably a good bet to get 40, but the problem is uh, 207 strikeouts last year compared to 74 walks. I mean, that is a huge, huge difference. Now, uh, he does have uh, the ability to, uh, to uh, improve on that, but you know, he didn't have enough doubles either. He only had 24 doubles and one triple last year. So if the strikeouts are negative, it hurts him.
1: So that's an interesting way. Am I, am I foolish to look at it saying, well, if you had 200 strikeouts – and 40 walks, I'm already m- minus 160 in the hole. I need to make up those 160 points elsewhere. So if he only gets me 560 points, my net is 400, which devalues him.
3: Yeah, and I think the best thing to do is always go back, and even if your scoring system changes, just go back, and it should have whatever site you're on, the scoring system from last year, even based on this season's stats. And then you can kind of take a look at the differential, and it gives you an idea of a way to start and you know you'll be surprised you'll be like wow i can't believe this guy is this high this guy is that low um so that that's really what you need to do because there are players that really see a substantial shift
1: all right fair enough i'll I'll do that how many points leagues are you playing in none right Right now really yeah but i but i I know i know you like the format in general so are you open to playing that again
3: yeah, I'm just kind of full of leaks right now. I'm just doing a lot of auction and stuff, so it just hasn't worked its way. Maybe I'll get back into it next year, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen for me this year.
1: All right, when you're so how are you doing in the um, – let's get to the uh, beat Adam Ronas drafts. How many are you still doing at this time? Uh, one. And what round are we in?
3: I think 13 or 14.
1: So you're happy with – let's hear your roster construction. What pick number were you
3: um, I was,
1: uh, what was I in this one? Uh, I think eight or nine. So what's your, what's your team? What's your roster construction?
3: Uh, it's pretty good. I was actually going to go in depth on that in the next hour.
1: Uh, <laughs> all right. Well then let's talk about my, my team. We just started, uh, my second Dr. Roto league run and I was in the 12 spot. I haven't pi- I haven't picked in the 12th spot before. What's your strategy for people? I think we all know what to do with the one. What do you do with the 12th spot if you're in a 12 team league?
3: Uh it's the same thing. I mean, you're going to have to reach on some players if you feel like that they're not going to make it back. It's an area too where you're probably not going to take a pitcher. Some people will, but in a 12 team league I don't even worry about it. I think, though, one of those top arms can make it back. I have seen it many times where two of those arms make it back. So you're generally in a position where you're probably taking two bats in that scenario just because there's going to be much better bats on the board. Now, maybe a top arm drops if you're a Scherzer, Sale, DeGrom. Uh, Scherzer's probably not dropping. Sale might because I think there are some people who are concerned with his injury. DeGrom probably won't. So that's the decision you have to make if one of those arms drop. If they don't, you're probably going two bats in that spot.
1: And that's what happened. So DeGrom went 10, Sale went 11. I wasn't taking Sale anyway. So I took Aaron Judge and Paul Goldschmidt at 12 13. Are we happy with that start? Yeah. Okay. Then in round, th- then all of a sudden, uh, let's see, Cole went toward the end, then Verlander, and then round three, all the pitchers went, as you would imagine. Kluber, Nola, Snell, Bauer, Severino, Carrasco, Syndergaard at the three and four, because we're only in the fourth round, Adam. I took Chris Bryant with the last pick of the third round, and I took Walker Bueller in the fourth. We don't yeah, Brian what do you is, think? yeah, go ahead.
3: Brian has been slipping in drafts. I think you might see him start to rise because – he did have a home run in the spring, and the biggest concern for him is that shoulder because before he got injured last year, uh, he was putting up numbers. He was pretty He's pretty angry, too. I think he feels like he has something to prove, seeing some comments from him the other day, and he's certainly capable of having a blow-up season. So I, I like the price on him now. I do think that he will move up, and you might start to see him go early third round in 15-team leagues. Uh Walker Bueller hasn't really thrown much this spring, but I think that's to be expected. We all know the Dodgers are going to be very cautious with his innings. They have designs on making a deep run in the postseason. They have a lot of pitching depth. I think everyone on that team is gonna have a DL stint at some point on this year this year. Uh we saw that last year. Uh and with Bueller, you know, throwing 137 third innings in the regular season and then in the postseason and some in the minor leagues, they obviously don't want to see him have a big boost so uh, I would project him to be about 160 170 would be my guess but I'd expect those innings to be really high quality
1: let me let me ask you about Brian for a second because I, I agree I think he's going to go in the mid-third rounds as we get closer to uh, uh, the beginning of the season. I like Bryant, and I like his upside. I really like Rice Hoskins, and I could have easily have taken them there. But I didn't want to go. I know this sounds ridiculous, but I didn't want to have two first basemen on my first three picks. And I also thought that third base is a very weak position. Am I overthinking at that early point, or in the first three rounds, are you just trying to take the best players on the board?
3: Yeah, I'm taking the best players on the board, uh, even if it does happen to be the same position early on, just because I I want the stats uh, if it's close, then you can go with the position. I don't think third baseman is that that bad this year. I was actually kind of going through my rankings today. I, I, there's a lot of third basemen I like, so I don't think that's a shallow position. I think first is more shallow than third. I think. So would you have taken? So would you deep. have
1: taken Bryant or would you have taken Hoskins?
3: Uh, that's close. I think I, I think I might have, I might have Hoskins ranked a little higher. And the thing about Hoskins too is. He has outfield eligibility now. He will be first base eligible because that's where he's going to play. And obviously the signing of Harper is a boost for Hoskins. I mean, he is going to be in a position to drive in so many runs. Teams are afraid to pitch to Harper. He's going to get on base, whether they have McCutcheon or Segura up top. Hoskins is in a position where I think he was going to get better anyway, and I already liked him. I took him with a great fantasy baseball invitational late third round, picking 12 uh, before the Harper news. And uh, this is just good for him. He just needs to – increase the average just a little bit, but Hoskins is a guy that can hit 40 homers and drive in 110, 120 this year.
1: Yeah, I, I do like him. I, I guess, I, do I have buyer's remorse? I may have a little, I have some buyer's remorse. I like Hoskins too. I just see this guy as a really special player. And I, and I got to tell you, I have no problem. If somebody took, if I'm going to draft and somebody took him in the middle of the round three, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything. I'd be like, all right, good pick, good upside pick there.
3: Yeah, I think that's uh, about the spot. I mean, he generally goes probably right around 40, but people react to the news and you're going to see him move up just based on the Harper news alone. And I think he was going in the right spot anyway. I wouldn't upgrade him in a major way and move him up the board. Uh, Again, it does help the entire Phillies lineup with Harper going there, but I think he was valued in the right spot already anyway.
1: Right. No, I know it does for sure. All right, when we come back, Adam and I are going to begin our uh, previews, team previews. We're going to go to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Are there any Diamondbacks that you want? We'll let you know. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. I'm Dr. Roto. He's Adam Ronis, And we'll be back with you right after this.
0: DailyRoto.com.
4: fantasy. Best, best Jacob deGrom, I don't think, is risk-free. Uh, this whole talk about how potentially shutting himself down or, like, limiting his own innings if he doesn't get a contract extension throughout the season, that's kind of scared me off a little bit as well. I just don't buy any of that. I think it's all possible. I think it's all possible. It's all, like, right? lever- yeah. leverage. And the thing is, I think when you're considering taking a starting pitcher in the first round, Greg, you need to consider all of these things.
0: Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast
1: providers all right we're back scout fantasy sports dr roto here along with adam ronis we're here for the next couple of hours ronis my preseason pro picks are available today at scoutfantasysports.com what do yours do next week oh i changed the category i don't know if you saw there's no more comeback player of the year it's the al pitching bust and nl pitching bust Okay. You good with that?
3: Yes, I'm good with that.
1: I have to admit, I had a couple of players who were on last year's list who I put back on this year's list.
3: So you just copied and pasted. Nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was Well, you know what it was, and I wrote this in, in the article, is that I think when you do what we do for a living, that I'm normally right on the player. Not always, even though I'd like to think I'm always right. I'm normally right on the player, but I'm not necessarily right on the time, right? I can tell you I like a guy, but I may he may not be good till 2020. Like, I'll give you, one of the guys I put in there was David Dahl. He was my guy last year, but I was a year off. This year, I don't think I'm going to be off. and this guy's going to rake this year. So I, I always think that that's one of the hardest parts. Maybe baseball is harder than football with that, but I find you know figuring out exactly when it's going to happen is not easy.
3: Yeah, I think Dahl is easy to see that he's going to succeed he's not a value in drafts you know some people might say he's going too high but I think it's because people know the pedigree they know he's in course field 24 years old the opportunity to play every day and we did see last year in September nine homers 27 RBIs so he does he also has some speed and it's really just health for him you know he's just had a lot of injuries in his young career already including a ruptured spleen so he's just kind of been unfortunate and as long as he can stay on the field he should rake in course field
1: yeah for sure i'm a big fan all right let's get to some team previews here adam let's take a look at the arizona diamondbacks when i look at this team on as a whole i think this team's a whole lot of trouble i, I mean really i don't i see i see a couple of pitchers i like A bullpen is in flux. Maybe a couple of decent arms here. Uh, The hitters are all over the place. So let's go around the diamond. Carson Kelly comes over to uh, the Diamondbacks in that trade for Paul Goldschmidt. Is there any value with this kid here? Yeah, I think he's, uh, if you really wait on your
3: number two catcher, I'm fine. Taking him in a 15-team league as one of the last players off the board. Uh, Obviously, they do have uh, John Ryan Murphy and Alex Avila as well. So, They might all split, but Kelly's 24 years old and obviously didn't get much of an opportunity in St. Louis when you play behind Yadier Molina. And as we've seen with catchers, it usually takes some time for them to hit because they're so uh, concentrated on the defense. Uh, But he had pretty good numbers at AAA last year, also has the ability to draw walks. So what we saw in the majors hasn't been much, but uh, he hasn't really got much of an opportunity. So, I mean, is he ideally someone you want? No, but I think a lot of those number two catchers are garbage, and uh, I don't mind taking him as one of the last catchers off the board in a 15-team league where you have to start two
1: catchers. At first base, you have Jake Lamb. Wilmer Flores may get some at-bats against lefties. Christian Walker's there for depth, but Jake Lamb, I was very, very high on, on Jake Lamb, on the same he, he wrecks righties. I mean, to the tune of the, I don't know, 30, 90 seems to be possible. Uh, playing a different position this year. But uh, I think he's a late-round sleeper.
3: Yeah, I think he's a value right now because uh, he had the injury last year, and that really hurt him and sapped some power. But uh, even with the humidor, I still think he can produce. And if he sits up against lefties, it might not be so bad. It won't hurt his average as much. But it was just two years ago that he had 30 homers, 105 RBIs. Now the lineup is vastly different. There's no Paul Goldschmidt. There's no more A.J. Pollock but I still think there's enough for him to produce. So uh, I prefer him as a corner infielder, but he is very cheap in drafts right now and uh, don't mind having him on the roster.
1: All right, Kettle Marte is going to move to the outfield, which should, I say should, open the spot for Wilma Flores maybe to be a starting second baseman. I like Wilma Flores. He crushes lefties, at him, and I love playing him in DFS. Can he sustain a full-time role in the majors?
3: Yeah, I think he can. I just think he never really got the full opportunity with the Mets, uh, and he will be able to play here every day now. So I I do like the value on him, where he's going. I think there's more power upside in this bat with a decent average. We know he does a run, but should have position versatility as well, especially if the Diamondbacks move him around a little bit. So I think he's a, a very good value late in drafts.
1: I think a guy who's very underappreciated is Nick Ahmed. Um, I think there's more power there than we've seen. I think there may be even a smattering of stolen bases. The guy's never going to hit 270. I mean, but if he could just hit 250, I, I think there's some surprising skills there. Uh,
3: to me, he's more of someone that you take in a draft, Champions League late. I just don't see drafting him in a 30 round draft because uh, there's just nothing special about him. Uh, I don't. I don't think the average is ever going to be there. He's a 229 career hitter, so. Just 15 homers and 60 RBIs is just not exciting for the middle infield position.
1: All right, Eduardo Escobar plays a lot of different positions. Looks like he's going to play primarily at third base um, for, for the Diamondbacks. I get nervous with guys like Escobar, Adam, who all of a sudden find their skill set late in life. So does that mean that they, they, they found some fountain of youth? Or they finally have an opportunity because this guy had done nothing for a bunch of years. And now within the last two years, he's been a relatively decent player.
3: Yeah, I don't don't look at it like that. We've seen a lot of players emerge late. It just takes them some time. Sometimes it's a comfort level. Maybe it's some type of adjustment they make hitting, launch angle, things off the field. But he's been a solid player now for two consecutive years. So he's cheap in drafts. He's got that versatility to play third and short. Uh, and I think he's a guy that, you know, can give you 25-90 uh, with a decent average and probably going to hit two or three in the order. So uh, I think he's fine for fantasy this year.
1: All right. Speaking of fine, let's get to the outfield. I think David Peralta is more than fine. This guy really hits righties. And, you know, I know the Diamondbacks are not a sensational offensive team, but I think if you're playing in DFS against a righty and you can get Peralta in there with Lamb, uh, and Escobar, you're already off to a good start. I like David Peralta a lot.
3: Yeah, I think he's going to disappoint. Uh, I think you're paying for a career year. He's you know 30 home runs. The kind of power came out of nowhere. Uh, the lineup definitely has downgraded now. Uh, it's really tough to duplicate what he did. He had a 29.2% fly ball rate. His home run of fly ball rate is 23.4%. That's for elite power hitters. I don't consider him an elite power hitter. He still puts the ball on the ground too much. ground ball rate. The hard hit rate definitely jumped up, but I think you're paying for last year's stats. If he goes back down to 21, 22 home runs, that's uh, not good enough for where he's being drafted. And, you know, especially if the counting stats go down. I mean, in a career year, he had 87 RBIs. I don't see that happening again with this lineup. So uh, I think Peralta is uh, being overvalued right now.
1: I'm a big fan of Kettle Marte. I mean, the guy qualifies at second. He qualifies at short. He's going to have a great chance to be the starting center fielder. So he's going to qualify in the outfield in just a couple of short weeks. I think there's more speed there than we've seen. I think there's a better hitter lurking there, Adam. And I think he's going in like rounds 14, 15, 16. And I've drafted him in a couple leagues, and I'm okay with that.
3: Yeah, I've considered him. uh, I was going to take him. Or considering him in round 15 of the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, but he went two picks before I can make my selection. So I do think this is a guy that improved in the second half last year. Uh, I would like to see the speed because we saw it in the minor leagues. Uh, so if they're aggressive and let him run, there's stolen base potential there. And my, I think he's probably going to hit leadoff on this team. So maybe that'll help him run a little bit. He's eligible at second and short right now. Will play in the outfield. So uh, that. Position versatility helps, especially if you're in a national league only league, because you can move him all around. So I do think there's some more ability here. He's still a young hitter. He's another guy too, though, that's got to elevate the ball a little bit more in order for some of that power to surface. But we did see a big jump in his hard hit rate last year.
1: All right, last guy in the outfield is Steven Sousa Jr. And I look at this guy as a value out. I mean, in 2017, this guy hit 30 home runs and 16 stolen bases. I know he's not going to be a great average hitter. But those, I mean, he strikes out a ton too. I get that. But look, 30-20, and you're getting him in like round 20 or 21. I think people tend to look at the recency bias, which we see in all across all fantasy sports. People have forgotten about Sousa. He's not a bad player.
3: Yeah, not in my Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational League. I was going to take him, uh, thought about it, and I said maybe he'll make it back to me next round. Nope, round 18. Frank Stanfield just took him, clown. Uh, but, yeah, Sousa so is a guy that I had last year, too, uh, in the NFBC auction and burned me. But there is power and speed potential there. The average probably won't be great, but it is a guy that people have forgotten about, where even if, hopefully you can get him around 21, 22, uh, in this draft, everyone has pushed up the draft board because everyone is sharp in this room. You know who is still not off the board in this?
1: Clayton Carlos. Kershaw. Mart-
3: Carlos no. Martinez is still there in round 18. John Lester is still there in round 18. Guys all have the same mentality in this room. So in other drafts, you're like, oh, thanks. You took him off the board. Right. All these players that people don't like that. Our name value, they they get taken off the board. Not in this draft, and it sucks because no one is getting pushed down. You have to push everyone up. So I thought Sousa would make it one more round. I knew though. I was like, okay, he, I got to take the chance that he might. who you not. take instead? Uh, Nico, good room. Uh, I would
1: think did.
3: Well, again, it's Washington I mean, I like Nico.
1: Oh, that's true. Okay, fair enough. It's, All right, let's he's get. He's got
3: second and first base eligibility. By the way. Uh, push Byron Buxton up your draft board. He just homered again.
1: Yeah, I mentioned that in my preseason pro picks. By the way, on I think the by the time field. we draft, he's going to be the first round. He's going to be a first round pick by the time we uh, draft. I think. might go ahead of Trout. Yeah, exactly. Buxton one, Trout two. All right, let's get to the starting staff here. So the staff as a whole looks like Granky, Robbie Ray, Zach Godley, Luke Weaver, and some random dude, maybe Merrill Kelly. Let's start out. I know you're not a Robbie Ray guy. I mean, I do respect the strikeouts. I don't know. I think the only value for me here is Luke Weaver because I think I can get him in like round 27. I don't like Zach Godley. I do like Granky a little bit, and I know the guys at Baseball HQ have him as like one of the top 10 pitchers. I don't know. Nobody's standing out for me here.
3: Yeah, it's not a an exciting staff. Uh, I think Merrill Kelly is someone to look at. Late Luke Weaver is just so cheap. You know, I I didn't expect him to be that good last year, and he was clearly overdrafted in a lot of leagues. Just a major disappointment. But going to a, a new environment might help him. Uh, Zach Godley was dreadful last year. Grinky, I haven't drafted him in any leagues. He generally goes as a top twenty starting pitcher, and you know he was still very productive last year. Uh, 35 years old now, doesn't really throw that hard. Uh, so he can still be productive, but it just feels like, you know, any one of these years, it could come spiraling down. And we've seen him in the spring before. I think last year's velocity was way down. People started to worry about it, and he was fine. So the one thing is he has been a workhorse, uh, which is pretty important. You know, he's been able to get to that 200-inning mark. Not elite strikeout numbers, but very good. His whip, though, has been excellent, 107 and 108 the last two years, which is something uh, a lot of people don't look at. But he did get hit pretty hard last year. So uh, I'm a little concerned about him. And we did see that fastball around 89. But he does know how to pitch.
1: If there's any one guy who I think is a little divisive in in the rotation, I think it's Robbie Ray. I think there are people out there who really like Robbie Ray and see him as a big strikeout guy and i think there are a lot of people like you that are kind of like in the middle on Robbie Ray maybe in the middle toward the no why do you think that that he appeals to so many people but at the same time he nauseates others
3: well i think people look at the strikeout numbers and they get enamored they're like wow look at how many strikeouts he gets and and they figure okay if he only goes 160 you know, he has the potential to reach two hundred, you know, thirty one point four percent strikeout rate last year, thirty two point eight percent in two thousand seventeen. But there's much more than that. He's a whip killer. You know, he had one year of good whip, and I thought that was an aberration. His walk rate last year was thirteen point three percent. That's just too high. And when he does allow contact, it's consistently hard. Even in his good year, he had a hard hit rate of forty point four percent. It was forty four point four percent last year. And the humanoid really didn't help him that much. So I know he had a nice stretch to close the year, and then people are going to get excited, but it's just too many things are wrong in his profile. So, you know, could he get the strikeout? Yes, uh, but asking for that ERA to be pretty low is going to be difficult, and, and the whip is still very high. So uh, there are games where you watch him, you're like, wow, this guy's dominant, you know, 12 strikeouts over six innings, and then there's other games where he can't find the strike zone, and I think good teams – are going to make him work, get him deep into pitch counts, and have him exit the game early. And the offense certainly not as good, so the run support won't be there as much. So uh, he's just a pitcher that uh, I think is just still going at too much of a high cost.
1: All right, in the bullpen, Archie Bradley maybe is the closer, but he could be an eighth inning guy. Yoshihisa Hirano's there, who I like, but I think he may be more effective in the eighth inning as well. They just signed Greg Holland, who has closing experience. Uh, there there's some young arms. There are Lopez and Silvino Bracco. I, there's really no, I mean, I, I honestly like Harano. Maybe he's my favorite arm, but he's not a power pitcher. I just don't know. I think I want to just stay away from this entire bullpen, Adam.
3: Uh, I, I don't think you want to stay away. I mean, if there's a source of saves, I think you have to be interested here. My guess is it's probably Archie Bradley. It just worries me that they don't seem like they're fully committed to him. Uh, He's been a good bullpen arm. He doesn't have the elite strikeout rate that you want out of some closers, and he did get hit pretty hard last year. But I think he has the ability to close if they do give him the job. Holland was brought in, was terrible last year when he went to the Cardinals, but afterwards when he went over to Washington, he actually pitched pretty well. And he does have that closer experience. He had a couple big seasons with Kansas City, so I don't know if Lavolo feels – uh, that he wants to go in that direction. Maybe they feel better with R.G. Bradley as the setup guy. And, you know, the ability to throw two innings, the seventh and eighth. Uh, I'm not sure. But if I'm going to lean towards anyone now, I would think it's Archie Bradley. But he is one of those closes that you just don't feel 100% confident in. Because you don't know if he has the job or will keep the job.
1: How many, I mean, are they cellar dwellers? I, I don't see them getting out of the cellar this year. I think this team is is missing a lot, especially on offense.
3: Yeah, I think especially with some of the moves the Padres have made and with the talent that they have in the minor league system and possibly calling some guys up, uh, they're probably the bottom team. I know the Padres still have some question marks in the rotation, but they do have some good young arms. Uh, it just feels like the Diamondbacks are uh, you know, not a great team right now. Again, there are some bats that you can utilize for fantasy, but – uh, no one outstanding. You know, a lot of the players we talked about more are, are values, and certainly the pitching staff. You know, it has the ability to come through. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising, but still, a lot of question marks here in a division that's that's pretty tough. Well, no, the Giants are probably the worst team. I think the Giants are worse.
1: Do you have a do you have a sleeper on this team or a bust? Is there one guy you really like? or are you really going to stay away from?
3: Uh, the guy I like late is Wilmer Flores.
1: Okay. I think my guy is. Uh, I like Sosa and Marte, but I like Wilmer Flores too. And you can get in, like round twenty-eight of most drafts.
3: Um, again, not in this Invitational. Uh, he went. around <laughs> was round first. Six, he was a first-round pick. Round sixteen, <laughs> man. I was like, oh my god, I. Get, it's like anyone you think of you getting late, you're not. You just got to push them up if you really want them. It's insane.
1: I don't think we can compare anybody to this to this league of yours, Adam.
3: I'm telling you, you look at our draft board and you look at the other invitationals, I want to vomit and, like, break things. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Conforto and Rosario went back-to-back in the sixth round. Andrea got both at round six and seven.
1: All right, when we come back, we will do another team preview. That's right, the Atlanta Braves. Are the Braves going to be good? Who are the sleepers? Who are the busts? Ronas and I go through it. That's what we do. We're Scout Fantasy Sports, and we're back right after this.
0: the morning after. I'm not saying the Mets are going to win a division, guys, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be betting on the Mets this year. I like the confidence that this new GM's bringing, actually. Normally, I'm hesitant about agent GMs. They yeah, look at Lakers with Polinka, but I like his attitude. I like what he said about Harper. He goes, I don't care. We're still the best team in the division. <laughs> People are like, what are you nuts? He's selling it. Like, he's telling the team, the culture, we're not losers. Stop this second-class citizen crap. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast
1: providers. All right, we're back. By the way, the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine is in full swing, and for serious players, fantasy football has now become a year-round pastime. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Matic and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content Every day of the year to give you an edge, regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save ten percent at RotoExperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's ten percent off with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL three hundred and sixty-five fantasy football package only at RotoExperts.com. All right, Ronus. Oh, we us... have
3: breaking news. Dun,
1: dun, 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 dun.
3: Salvador Perez is sidelined with an elbow injury. He's going to get a second opinion next week.
1: Yeesh. Drop him down your board, Jonas.
3: Buxton Definitely. up, Perez down. Yeah, Perez, and that, that's a real hit for the catcher position because he was one of the more reliable ones that was going in the top seven that you know had big power. So uh, the catching position takes another hit.
1: All right, let's take a quick phone call. Niffin in Jackson, New Jersey. What's up, Niffin? How are you? What's up, Niffin? Niffin, did he fall asleep? Feel free to ask your question at any time. He's a strong silent type, Jonas. Yes, <laughs> All right, Niffin. When you're ready, you just pipe in, okay? But until then, we're gonna go and we're gonna talk about the Atlanta Braves and do their team here, catching. They bring in Brian McCann, Ronas, to compete with Tyler Flowers. Do we like either of these guys there? I look at them as both like, eh, you know, maybe 12 to 14 home runs, maybe 50 RBIs. If that's about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's generally going to be a platoon. So, you know, you're going to get less at-bats. Not that you're your catch, uh, catcher, most of them are not giving you 450-50 anyway. So, uh, you know, Flowers was good in a platoon. McCann... Uh, I don't know how much he has left. Uh, he's not a bad hitter, 35 years old. So, hood at the bottom of the order. It, it is a pretty good lineup. Uh, really Not enthralled with either. Uh, and just haven't, haven't wound up taking any of them.
1: All right, at first base, you know, I'm waiting for this guy to win the NFL MV, NL MVP, Freddie Freeman. Just a fantastic hitter, Onus, He's a solid second-round pick. If you get him in the third round, good for you. I'm just a big Freeman fan.
3: Yeah, Freeman is one of the elite hitters in baseball. Uh, he's going in the second round of most drafts, usually the middle of the second round. I don't know what happened to the power last year. I'm a little surprised. You know, I thought uh, left-handed power in that home park in Atlanta would play. But Freeman's 29 years old, and uh, I don't think people realize this, uh, that he had more stolen bases than Paul Goldschmidt last year. And a lot of people like, oh, I like Goldschmidt. He provides steals. Freddie Freeman at 10. He had eight the year before. Again, not a lot, but I will repeat it. You know, to get seven, eight, nine out of your first base position is pretty big. Uh, he's 94 runs, 98 ribbies last year, 309 average. That's the thing, too. Three straight years of at least 300, a career of 293 hitters. So he gives you a very high floor and batting average, which is important. He has not reached 30 home runs in each of the last two years. But I think he was obviously going to get there in 2017 when he got injured he that was the year he was he was uh, gonna have a a ridiculous season even though almost everyone in baseball did but he only played in 117 games and had 28 71 would have been great to see how he finished but he played in every game last season And the 23 home runs is just it's just low and um, the fly ball rate has uh, declined the last two years uh, but he hit so many line drives he had a 32.3 32.3 percent line drive rate last year, which is insane. His career is 27.7 percent, so he's a real good hitter. You would you would obviously love for him to give you 30 home
4: runs.
1: All right, before we get to Ozzy Albie's, let's try our friend Niffin again. What's up, Niffin? How are you?
4: Hey, so, sorry guys, something's wrong with my phone, so I'm back now. Sorry. Hello? Hello? Hey, can, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: no, we <laughs> no, no. <laughs> What's your question? Um.
4: <laughs> Sorry, yeah, my phone. Something's wrong. My phone. I don't know what's going on. What? It keeps doing. It keeps doing that for some reason. But uh, I'm back. But uh, thanks for taking my call. By the way, I'm a big fan of you guys, and you guys do a great job. So,
1: thank you, Niffin. What's um, your question for us?
4: Yeah. So my question was with the Harper. Uh, I think, uh, not, right now, uh, for short term, I think it's a good co- good contract for them because fantasy wise, is good actually for short term. Like, if I was going to be Uh, drafting him i would be drafting him probably uh like the first round but i mean to me to be honest i think he, he in my this is my based on my opinion i think the the he might drop to the second round or third round um in my opinion but i can see him going in the first round in most drafts but uh for sure i think some of the drafts i can see him dropping down because of the is uh, uh, because of the contract, but he, he can do, But fantasy-wise, is this good for short-term.
1: Yeah, and no, that's a good point. Adam, it's it's interesting on, on social media, especially on Twitter. It's like people are saying, Manny Machado, great, great buy. Bryce Harper, overpaid. I think Bryce Harper, is, we talked about it yesterday. I'm drafting 11, 12, 13 of the first round. I'm taking Bryce Harper.
3: I think with Harper, it's a lot of unfilled potential so far he's only really had one huge fantasy season but he showed the ability to be top three now the question is can he get back there his average is all over the map that's the biggest problem he was 249 last year I mean just look at these last five years 273 330 243 319 249 so where is the real Bryce Harper because that is a huge disparity in OBP leagues he's a lock first round pick I think in other leagues, uh, he's a late first, early second-round pick. Uh, he just has not had that huge season uh, yet as far outside of the, the one big year. So I understand why people are concerned about him. Uh, it is an upgrade in the ballpark for sure. Left-handed power plays better there than it did in Washington. Now it's just a matter of, you know, can he put it together for a full year? What's the batting average going to be? You don't want your first-round pick to hit two sixty. You just don't. And it's not like he gives you enough speed to justify it. Uh, he's had one season of 20-plus steals. So he had 13 last year, which is fine. Again, if he gets you 15 steals, the big question is, what's going to be the batting average? And, you know, does he stay healthy the entire year? Could he hit 40 home runs? Absolutely. The, the problem is with Harper is, the ceiling is top three, but the floor is fourth, fifth round return.
1: All right, let's get back to our Atlanta Braves preview here. Ozzy Albies is another guy who divides people around us because, man, he had a bad second half swoon last year. Will the real Ozzy Albies stand up?
3: Uh, I, I Here's the thing. I think he's a solid player. I think the price is too much. Uh, I think people are paying for last year's numbers. And after April, he was abysmal. And I think what happened was a lot of young players feast on fastballs and pitchers keep feeding it to them. And then all of a sudden, they realize, hey, you know, let's throw this guy some breaking pitches and uh, see if we can get him out. And that's what happened. Now, he did make an adjustment in September and started to walk more. But I think the other problem here with Albi is a lot of his value is going to be tied to where he hits in the order. I, I'm not sure he's going to hit leadoff. He might hit fifth or sixth. Uh, so that's going to hurt him just a little bit. Uh, and I don't think the power is for real. He's not a big guy at all. He didn't show the power in the minor leagues, and we've seen other players like Lindor not show much power in the minor leagues all of a sudden come up and become a power hitter because the ball just seems to be different and the parks and everything. Uh, But I don't think Albies is a power hitter, and the speed is really what you want him for. So could he go 15-20? Yeah. But what's the batting average going to be, 250, 260? I just think that for where you draft him, I'd rather wait four, five, six rounds and, and draft someone that could give me similar or better numbers. So uh, I think he's overvalued. All
1: right, at shortstop, Dan's response was like, was he the number one overall pick out of Vanderbilt? Just has never really become a great player. And I don't know, can will he ever be a good player, Adam?
3: Well, I think I saw something today that he was scratched with the wrist, with a wrist. Source, which is yeah. not a good sign. So yeah, yeah he's not someone that has kind of landed on my board. I know we saw him have a A brief hot streak last year. People got excited, but, uh, you know, he did have 14 homers, 10 steals, 136 games, but had that injury, which affected his numbers. So uh, not someone that's on my radar right now.
1: All right, Josh Donaldson is a new third baseman there, and we know Donaldson can really hit the ball. But I I think this is a, uh, you know, a show-me contract. Show me what you can do. Uh, Is he overvalued? Are we paying for the old Josh Donaldson in drafts right now?
3: I don't want to say he's overvalued because he generally goes in the 7th, 8th round. I just haven't found myself taking him yet. I mean, you can clearly see him, if he can stay healthy, being uh, a top hitter. I mean, it was just two years ago that he had a monster season. But, you know, he's older. This calf lingered a lot of the year. I know in Cleveland he showed a little something. Um, So, to me, he's one of the toughest players to kind of get a grip on because you can – Look at where he's drafted and say, yeah, why not take a shot? Because if he is healthy and does return, it could be a huge payoff. But I could also see him struggling to stay healthy. I think getting off the turf, obviously, is a benefit. And, you know, especially if they hit Acuna leadoff, to be between Acuna and Freeman is a good spot. Uh, So would I be surprised if Donaldson came out and hit 30 home runs? No. But I just haven't found myself drafting him yet. I might take him in one league at some point just to see, but... I'm just worried about, um, I'm staying healthy.
1: All right, the outfield, Nick Markekis and Adam Duval in left, and there's in center. Uh, the aforementioned Ronald Acuna in right. Uh, Markekis and Duval I just never draft with good reason. NCRT is a guy that I always tend not to draft, even though I like the player. I just always think that he's not as good as the numbers appear. But, man, Acuna is a top five pick, him, And if you picked him number four or five in the league, I couldn't blame you.
3: Yeah, I mean, elite skills, one of the top prospects in the game, just kind of dominated at every level, and even last year. So uh, uh, he's going very early in drafts. In Enciarte, uh, again, if he's not hitting leadoff, it's going to hurt him because you need the run scored. And uh, just not a player that winds up on my team We're in the range of where he goes. You know, he's not an elite stolen base guy. He gives you steals, but this is not a 40-45 stolen base guy. He had 28 last year, which was a career high. Uh, 22 the year before, so you know I would look at 23, 24 steals, which is nice. But if he's not hitting lead off, those runs are going down. He's had 10 and 11 home runs the last two years, and the batting average was 265 last year after .304 two years ago. So you can see um, uh, that I think last year was a little bit of a down year in the average. He's a 289 career hitter, so I think the average can go up, but just in the range where he goes. Uh, I think there are better options. But, you know, if you're in dire need of speed at that point in the draft and you have good power, uh, he could fit your team. But he just doesn't seem to find his way onto mine.
1: All right. The beautiful thing about the Braves uh, pitching staff is they got a lot of arms there. Fulton Kevin Gossman, even though they're both injured. Luis Gohara injured. Mike Soroka injured. But they still have Julio Turan, Sean Newcomb, Tuki Toussaint, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, who may be my favorite of them all, Kyle Wright, this is a very deep rotation, but for fantasy purposes, Adam, I know you, you've mentioned in the past why you don't like Fulton Nevich. I kind of like Gossman. I think Tuki Toussaint is interesting as maybe like a, uh, a, a six starter at the very, you know, round 25 in your draft. I think there's some value there. This is going to be a good team.
3: I don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to be a good team. Uh, I, I'm surprised that everyone had them near the top. I don't see it. Again, I think everyone is sleeping on Washington. I don't know why. This team is still good. I know they lost Bryce Harper, but they have Soto out there and Robles. Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg is better than this staff. They have good young arms, but a lot of them are injured right now. I think this team's in a little bit of trouble. I think they have a good future, but I think this year uh, they might be the fourth best team in the NL East right now, especially with some of these question marks. I mean, Fulton which says he's fine. And he are you saying pitch. the Mets
1: are better than this team?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Mets mm-hmm. have a better pitching staff than the Braves right now.
1: No, the Mets have a better pitching staff than the Braves. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. All right, let's take a look at the Braves' bullpen. A.J. Minter leaves today with shoulders discomfort. Uh, he's my favorite arm in the bullpen. Arotas Vizcaeno, I guess, is a good arm. I, I, I may like him more now that Minter's injured, but I don't really like him. And they've got a lot of guys in that bullpen. Uh, Sabatka, Winkler, Biddle, O'Day, Venters, just a bunch of names. Nobody really standing out to me unless I'm, I'm missing something.
3: Yeah, I mean, Minter and Viscaino both good arms. Uh, I don't know where they were headed. Vizcaino had a little issue last year with injuries and uh, walked uh, too many guys, so uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Minter left with the shoulder tightness today, so that's the problem. We're seeing a lot of these guys on the pitching staff have some issues right now. Gossman with the shoulder, Gahara, uh Soraka, so there's a lot of questions here. And again, it might not turn out to be anything. It might not be serious, but... Uh, a lot of good young arms, but I don't think they have enough to compete in this division this year. Definitely a bright future, but Fulton, a, which is the guy that goes the highest and there has to be a little concern right now. I know he came out and said that he's fine and he'd be able to pitch, but how many times do we hear that? And then three days later, yeah, he's got an injury and he's out for the year. So you have to be careful if you're drafting today with Fulton, a, which and some people don't pay attention to the news. I saw him drafted in mine. Uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago pretty early, and I said, okay, good luck with that.
1: Well, you know what's interesting? When I look at this team and I ask you for a sleeper or a bust, I don't see many sleepers on this team. I really don't. I think you kind of know exactly who these guys are. Is Donaldson a sleeper? Is Ozzie Albies a sleeper? None of these guys are sleepers to me. Like The Braves are exactly who you think the Braves are.
3: Yeah, the sleepers are, are the pitchers if they're healthy. You know. Uh, obviously, people are going to back off Soroka now, and I understand that. Uh Tuki Tucson obviously, is going to see a little bit of uh, a boost now. He gave up five runs in an inning yesterday, but it shouldn't. Uh, I guess a guy that to keep an eye on is Johan Camargo, especially if Donaldson can't stay healthy. You could see him, and uh, he's a pretty good player. Uh, Duval is more of the fourth outfielder. He does have power. Uh, but, yeah, there's really not much sleeper potential on this team.
1: Is Camargo going to be used? They said that he's going to be used like a marwin gonzalez type do you believe that
3: i don't really see it um i don't see where they can get him in uh, consistently because i think if donaldson's healthy you want him to play every day so um you know i think he'll spell people and give guys a day off here and there but it's uh donaldson insurance in case like uh, he can't stay healthy uh, i think you might see him and uh, you know he had, a,
1: he had a nice year last year who's the bust on this team
3: i mean i said it before he got hurt so i don't want People say, oh, you're saying, you know, because but I thought Fulton a, which was being overvalued. I just think he was drafted too high. I think Albies is drafted too high.
1: Does that um, make him a bust or does that just make him drafted too high? Overvalued. Is there a difference?
3: Uh, overvalued because, uh, you know, I'm not saying Albies sucks. He doesn't. He ha- has the potential. Right. The key is, is he going to make adjustments? He's only 22. I just think that people uh, remember the hot start. The final numbers look pretty good and expect gr- and expect growth from him. I don't know if we're going to see the growth this year uh, until he adjusts, because I think pitchers adjust to him big time last year.
1: All right, Adam, who's coming up in hour number two? We'll
3: have uh, Matt Modica from the Athletic coming up at three twenty PM Eastern. He plays in a ton of high stakes leagues. Good baseball mind, so he will join me at three twenty.
1: CTM Baseball himself, one of the one of the one of the top players now in the, in the high stakes field, right?
3: Yes, uh, always. Uh, puts in a lot of time and research and uh, gives you some good information
1: do anything good this weekend
3: uh no i think it'll be a, a light weekend
1: all right well i wish you a good one adam all right all right guys this is dr roto saying be well take care remember go to scout fantasy sports and enter the promo code bats 50 50 off your first two months we're back with you right after this, this.